Praise the Lord. Then your neighbor and say, expect something good to happen. Amen. Do you expect that? Hallelujah. Yes. And now it's a school holidays. Some people are busy traveling and some people are busy, you know, spending time with their children. And uh, that's just wonderful. Praise the Lord. But we are glad that you are here today. And uh, now where's the pointer? Can you pass me the pointer, please? Thank you. <laughs> so sorry about that. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, our theme is on reach and we are continuing to reach out. And yesterday we had a wonderful training to reach out to a special group of people. And we are excited about what the Lord is doing in our midst and in other nations. And we believe that salvation will come and there will be revival in our land. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. And so in line with reach, i like to continue to just uh, touch along reach. And also we are in the season of, uh, of uh, Easter and Pentecost. And uh, next week is what? What week? What Sunday? Pentecost, all right? And uh, for us as a Pentecostal church, it's a very, very important event. That's the day when God poured out His Holy Spirit almost 2,000 years ago, and He hasn't stopped pouring out His Spirit. And so we are going to celebrate Pentecost. And so you find that, hey, Easter is not just a one-time event and then you forget about it but it continues on. It affects our life. And so I'd like to continue to touch on that even today. I'd like to take my text from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 to verse 14. This is a very, very popular, very, very well-known uh, uh, text of Scripture. Many of you, I'm sure, have already memorized it by heart already. But let me just uh, read it to you very slowly. Let it sink into your heart that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul. As he rode from a prison cell, sharing his life's objective, deeds, and desire. It's all captured up, captured in these few verses. And so this morning, I'd like to share about Moving forward. Everybody say, moving forward. Moving forward in 
resurrection victory. We have been talking about momentum also. It's all tied in together. Moving forward in resurrection victory. Imagine the best thing that can ever happen to you happen. But then nothing changes. Ridiculous, isn't it? You graduated from college. But after the graduation, you continue to just go back to mom. You do not look, uh, look for a job. You continue to stay with mom and dad and get an allowance. And until 40 years old, you are still staying with mom and dad and getting an allowance. And at the age of 40, you still got curfew. You get a promotion. But instead of moving up to that office block upstairs with a window view of the Twin Tower, you continue to remain in the cubicle of yours in the basement. Promotion day came and goes and nothing changes. You got married. And oh, it was a happy day. There was a wedding ceremony and a wedding dinner and after everything is over, the bride goes back to the mother and you go back to your one-room apartment staring at the TV in front of you. Wedding day and nothing changes. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's how many of us treat the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The greatest event has happened. And for many of us, just like that college kid, just like that worker, or just like that bridegroom and bride, nothing changes. It shouldn't be that way. Can you just imagine what would have happened if Jesus Christ has died he was buried, he rose again from the dead, he ascended unto the Father in heaven, and nothing happens. Peter went back to fishing, and the disciples went back to their old occupation, and life goes on. Can you just imagine if after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, nothing happens, and the Gospels were never written for us? Easter will not allow that to happen. There are things in your life that happen that will change you entirely. And Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of those things. You will never, ever be the same again. After you have known the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will never, ever be the same again. Your life will be totally different. After you have known the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can never walk out of a church without loving God. You can never look at your neighbors without loving your neighbors. If you have known the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will never face a community without love, mercy, kindness 
in reaching out to them. After knowing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will never look at the unsaved souls without compassion, without a tugging in the heart to reach them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. And I mean everything. It happened in my life. It happened in everybody's life. And one of the things that the resurrection set into motion is our very life and also the church. You see, the resurrection is not something that happened just at one time and that's it. It continues to build up momentum. That's why the disciples were waiting. And because there was an expectation, hey, the resurrection is not just something, an, an isolated event. It's building up to something. There is momentum. The moment that Jesus Christ rose from the, from the dead, there is a momentum that is already picking up, building up. And yes, it will culminate. In the panic, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down upon the disciples, and it doesn't even end there. We'll, we'll talk about that. I tell you, it continues on. So that's what the resurrection is all about. It continues on. It builds up momentum. Not in God's calendar, not just in what God is doing, but in our very own life. Our life continues to build up momentum. We continue to move forward. You see, Christianity is basically a movement of moving forward. We are constantly moving forward. What is the one common thing among, uh, 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 with, what is the common thing with uh, an airplane up in the air, a bicycle, the church? What is, one, what is the common thing? The common thing of, with an aeroplane in the air and a bicycle and the church is that if it stops moving, they are in trouble. If an aeroplane up there stops moving, it will drop. If a bicycle, you stop cycling, you stop moving, what you do? You will tend to just fall over. Of course, you balance with your leg, but you will stop over. And the church also, if we stop moving, we are dead. Likewise, also in our Christian life, we must Move forward. Turn your now, nudge your neighbor and say, move forward. And the Apostle Paul is one who is constantly moving forward. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, you know, reaching forward. He's a very goal-oriented person. He's always moving forward. From the day that he met Jesus Christ on the day of Damascus, he has been asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? His life was never the same again. And he was constantly moving forward. And so from this passage of Scripture, let's consider what are the ways that we can really, how can we really move forward in the Lord? As I've said, the Christian life is always one of growth, growth in the Lord, growth in our experience with the Lord, and it is always building forward. 
it is always moving forward. The coat of arms of Australia is that of a, a emu and also a kangaroo. The kangaroo, of course, is very famous and uh, a part of uh, Australia, you know. And you know the characteristic of a kangaroo? A kangaroo cannot move backwards. It can only move forwards. Now, we human beings, we can go stun. We call it go stun. Uh, I don't know how... What, what, uh, there's, a, there's, there's a miss... Uh, a word there, on ghostan, you know. It's not in the dictionary. Don't look up. You know, we can ghostan, you know, you can go backwards, you know. But the kangaroo can never go backwards. Why? Because of its big tail. The big tail of the kangaroo prevented it from moving backwards. So it can only go, go forward. And when, uh, when we were in Jelutong, you know, uh, uh, not, 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 not Jelutong here, but in Penang. You know, everybody makes fun of that one road in Penang. All right, those Penangites will know. There's one road in Penang that's called the No Gostan Road. You know, it's kind of an overhead actually. But it is so narrow, all right, that only one car can pass by at a time. So once you go up, no more Gostan. All right, you, you have to go all the way already. You cannot backtrack, you know. And our Christian life, it should be in that manner. No ghostan. Go tell your neighbor, no ghostan. Uh, you understand ghostan or not? All right. Tabuli ghostan, huh? you know. So it's always just moving forward. Always moving forward. And the Apostle Paul, all right, typifies that kind of a life. The moment that he accepted Jesus Christ, his life was always just moving forward. And even when he was in prison, writing this epistle, you know, he says, you know, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He was still looking to move close to Christ. Hi, this is a veteran man. You know, he has been taken up to the third heavens. He has seen things that is not permitted for man to see. To see. It's not permitted for man to utter even. So that's why he couldn't even reveal much of what he has seen and experienced in the third heavens. And yet, he says, I have not arrived. I have not arrived. I'm still moving forward. Only children want to arrive instantly. On a five-hour trip, after 10 minutes, have we arrived yet, mom? They want to arrive fast, but Paul knows that he can never arrive. So he says that I may know him. You want to move forward, friends, the most important direction is towards Christ. You want to move close to Jesus. To know Him. It's not knowing about Him. Many people know about Jesus Christ. Before I was a Christian, I was searching for Jesus Christ. For two years, I knew about Jesus Christ because I read Him in history books and this and that, but I never knew Him until that night on 27 January 1975. He revealed Himself and His love to me. That's when I first came to know Jesus Christ. It's not, Paul is not talking about just hate knowledge. I want to know about this person. No, I want to know him. And that should be our chief goal, my brothers, my sisters. 
It's not just what is written about him. It's not just what others say about him. I want to personally know and experience Jesus Christ. And he's available. He's open. He's ready to reveal himself to us. We come to church, we sing, we fellowship, we pray, we shout, we dance. And that is not wrong. That is good. Yes, we need to do that. But at the end of the day, do we know Him? I want to know Him. Let that be the earnest desire of your heart. That is the very basic foundation for any forward movement, for any growth in our spiritual life. A little girl went to kindergarten and came back and after that she was so happy. But then after that, she met Albert Einstein, the great scientist, and asked Albert Einstein, what, what do you do? And Albert Einstein says, I'm a scientist, I study physics. And the girl was surprised. You, you know, Albert Einstein, you know, his look, you know, old and his hair, you know, you know I mean, he, he, he got that kind of a scientist look anyway. So she said, what? You? You're studying physics. You're still studying physics at your age. And the girl proudly pronounced, I went to kindergarten today and I'm done with my study. One day in kindergarten and she thought that she's done with her studies. But Albert Einstein, even in his old age, still studying physics. We are never done. We will never arrive. And Christ has so much for us to reveal His glory. what we have known about Christ, my relationship with Him is just so little compared to the grandeur and the splendor that He wants to reveal to us. And not only to know about, to know Christ, but the power of His resurrection. Power here is from the word dunamis. The power of God, the dunamis of God. It is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the power that heals the sick, that opens blind eyes, that causes the lame to walk. The same power that Jesus exercised in touching lives and healing lives. I want to know the power of His resurrection. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an experience for each and every one of us. The same power that was in Jesus Christ continues to work in each and every one of us. And you look at the way that Paul expresses, it's not to say, I want more power. I want more of the power of God. No, the power of God is already there, latent within each and every one of us. All we need to do is just to tap into it. And however greatly the Lord has been using some of us, 
Friends, it's not a full dimension. It's not a full release and manifestation of the power of the resurrection as yet. Oh, there is so much that God wants to do in and through us. I want to draw closer to Jesus Christ. That's, that's the key to, to, to knowing Him and to knowing the power of His resurrection. So reach for the Lord Jesus Christ. Get close to Him. The Bible says the people who know their God shall be weak, Pathetic? Lethargic? No. What does it say? The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. You see, that's what the resurrection does. That's what happens when you know Jesus Christ. It's not just a spiritual thing. Yes, it is spiritual, but it affects every dimension of your life. When you know Jesus Christ, friends, you will be strong. Physically, emotionally, mentally, economically, materially, in every areas, I believe. The people who know God. Friends, it's not just talking about fasting and prayer and nothing else. No, when you are strong in the Lord, when you really know Jesus Christ, you'll be strong in every areas. The reason why we are so weak in so many areas of our life and we are defeated is because we have not known our God. But when you know Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection, nothing can stand in your way. No sickness, no Satan, no plot of the enemy can stand against you. Hallelujah. You shall be strong and what? You shall do great exploits. Yeah, there will be battles. But guess what? The war has already been won when Jesus rose from the dead. The war is won. Satan knows that. But in our life, there will be constant battle after battle. And you have to know God in order to have victory over all those battles in your life. Look at David, for example. The Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6 and verse 14 repeated the same thing. It was the Lord who gave victory to David wherever he went because David, he knows God. He trusted in God. He walked with God. His heart was after God. Everything, he would consult the Lord. David knows the secret, the source of his strength and of his victory. He does not depend upon himself. Even the Apostle Paul, you know, if you read uh, verse uh, uh, 7 to verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, hey, he does not depend. He has no confidence in the flesh, but his confidence is in the Lord, the Lord who will give us the victory. So David won victory after victory after victory. And, and, and uh, 2 Samuel chapter 8 basically is a list of all the battles that he fought and of all the victories that he won. One victory after another. And this is how momentum works. When you have one victory, don't rest on your laurels and say, ha, ah, enough already. I've made it. 
Now, the moment one God gives you one victory, continue to, build, to press in and say, Lord, this is just but the beginning. The momentum is building up. And then, more victories will come. It is just like David. Before he faced Goliath, you know what he said? I was taking care of my father's sheep. And then a lion came and I tear the lion. And then a bear came and I fought against the bear. And now I'm fighting against you. He could not have fought against Goliath if he has not killed the lion and the bear. But after killing the lion, oh, the momentum built up. His confidence in God has already built up. He could kill the bear. And after that, he could kill Goliath. Victory after victory after victory. And that's how God was. We are built up. We are transformed from glory to glory. Glory to glory. Victory to victory. And I believe that's the Christian life. You are not saved to be defeated by the enemy. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that the resurrection of Jesus Christ prevents that from happening. If you know how to press in to know Jesus Christ. But so many times we are so busy just building our life, you know, taking care of all the work problems, home problems, everything. We have no time for God at all. We are close to our work. We are close to our job. We are close to, to everything except God. No wonder when problems come, we have no resources, no strength to fight against them. But brothers and sisters, it should be the reverse. You build up your strength in the Lord first. And when you encounter any lion, any bear, any Goliath, the Lord shall fight for you. The Lord shall grant you the victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. That's how it works. Know Jesus Christ. Read the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. Hear inspiring, godly messages, biblical messages that will build up your faith. Because the Bible says we are what? More than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Whatever that you are facing. Don't ever think, oh, I'm weak, I'm, I'm pathetic, you know, I, I'm helpless. Yeah, humanly we are. But Jesus Christ, His resurrection has changed all of that. And when I walk with Him, I have the victory of God. Secondly, we have to move past our past. Move close to Christ and move past your past. Move beyond your past. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see, many times it's our past that hold us down. We may be Christians. <coughs> mm, it happened again. I seldom sneeze up here. This is the second time. <laughs> I cough but not sneeze. Hmm. Excuse me. 
Many times it's our past that holds us back. And the past may be our past sins. Yes, we have sinned and we feel condemned and guilty. Or it may be our past failures. And we keep saying, if only I have done that. If only I did not say that. If only, if only, if only. And we are bogged down by our past, if only. It may be our sicknesses that hold us down. For years you've been struggling with it and you thought that you will never get healed. You're condemned to that kind of a life. And so, for many of us, life is filled with regrets and remorse. And we couldn't really get over it. But Paul says here, one thing I do, forgetting. And that's hard to do. Not only our own personal failures, but those who have treated us. It's very hard for those, for, 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 for some of us to forgive and to forget the things that people have done towards us. Disappointments. But in order for us to move forward, we have to deal even with the past and just forget it. Otherwise, this will be like chains around us and it will hamper our movement forward for the Lord. This one thing I do, forgetting. Leaving behind in order to move forward. There are things in my life which I sometimes look back and say, I, I should have done this, I should have done that. And I'm sure all of us feel the same thing. And even for businessmen, successful businessmen, although they are successful, they are still saying, oh, you know, I should have bought that house, I should have entered into the share market at this time and this and that, but I did not. And, and, and we regret and sometimes it hampers us, causes us loss of sleep at night. But my friends, the Apostle Paul says, I forget those things that are behind, including all his successes. Sometimes we have to forget even our success, not just our failure. Because when we are successful, we become complacent and we think I have arrived and so we sit back and relax but Paul says no I'm always reaching forward it's not the time to relax and take it easy as yet I have not yet arrived even in the church sometimes our success can prevent us from moving forward we thought that we have done great we have done enough. But no, there's more. And so we have to leave behind in order to move 
forward. Look at these four lepers here in 2 Kings chapter 7. Oh, the, the past is filled with sadness and sorrow. They were lepers. How they got to be lepers, when it happened, we do not know, but they have been lepers for a while, obviously. And so they were outside the gate. Lepers cannot mix with other people. They were outside the gate of Jerusalem, and the city was surrounded by the Syrian armies. And so, what do they do? Their past gave them no hope at all. As lepers, they are ostracized. They are not wanted at all. They are as good as dead. There's no future for them. And so, as they were seated outside, they begin to reason among themselves. If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Very good logical reasoning. Many times we want to go back. Go back into our past. If we go back into our past, many times we will die there. And he will hold us back. Now, of course, there are dangers ahead. He says, if, if we move forward, there are also dangers ahead. And we may be killed as well. But if we stay here, we also die. So what happened? Stay here, die. Go back, die. Go forward. Maybe we'll die. So if you are in their position, which one you will choose? Yeah, the one that's maybe, right? You go back, you die. You stay here, you die. Go forward. Maybe you got a chance. Although it was just a 10% chance, perhaps. So they said, let us go forward. Let us go over. They decided it's time to move forward. Doesn't, know, doesn't matter what it holds. It's very uncertain. But we have a better chance to make it. We have a better chance to make it. So they left behind their security or whatever little hope that they have. They left behind their past and are willing to just move forward. They are not going to just stay there and stay put. Many of us, we stay put where we are and that's where we die. Like I say, an aeroplane that does not fly, if it stops flying, it will drop. A cyclist who does not cycle, the, cycle, the bicycle will stop and will topple over. We cannot stay where we are. Don't be contented to stay where you are right now because God's plan for us is far, far more than you can imagine. doesn't matter what you have accomplished in the Lord. We must move forward in our spiritual life, in every areas of our life. God has a plan to bless and to prosper you. And when you take that risk, friends, 
when you take that risk in moving forward, you will find that God has been there. And that's what, the, that's what these lepers did. When they moved forward there, they thought that they may be apprehended, arrested, or even killed by the Syrians. But lo and behold, God has gone before them and has routed the enemies. And they were so confused, they all have fled. And there were all the riches there and the food. They began to eat, they began to enjoy themselves and all that, and bury and hide even the gold and the silver until one of them said, hey, 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 what we are doing is not right. We are only on enjoying all these goodies for ourselves, whereas those in the city are dying out of famine. Let us go back and share the good news. What God has done for you, share it, amen? Share it. And so because of that, the city was safe. So move forward, past your past, to the things that God has for each one of us. And lastly, we have to move toward the goal. Move toward the goal. And reaching forward. Paul, I like it, always goal-oriented. Reaching forward. To those things which are ahead. Are you reaching forward to those things which are ahead? I press toward the goal. Paul has a goal. What is this goal? We are not sure. He talks about the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is that Price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It may be Christ Jesus himself. Oh, he says, oh, no, I have been apprehended by Christ. His life is totally surrendered to Christ. Christ has captured his heart, his affection, his passion. It may be that that's his goal, only Christ. Nothing else matters to him. Or it may be as James and the book of Revelation talk about the crown of life that he was looking forward to. But Paul was very familiar. He used the language of the, uh, of the athlete, the Olympics. He may have been in some of those Olympic games, the ancient Olympic games, and he may have seen how the athletes have competed. And he may have seen, you know, the prize that they get. All that they get is just a crown. Not a golden crown, but just maybe made out of leaves. And yet, that was satisfying enough for the Olympian. The goal. And when he competes in that kind of a race, he says, I'm going to win it. I'm going to reach that goal. Paul not only has a goal, but he, he's sure of winning. He's he pressing. The word, you know, uh, press to word. You know, uh, basically means he strained himself. He's vigorously pursuing. It's not just have a goal. You know, your boss says, okay, I want, your, I want your goal for this year. Okay, write to him some goal, submit, and after that, forget about it already. No, every day he says, I press toward. I vigorously pursue. I pursue with my whole heart. I strain myself. I discipline in order to achieve that goal. Do you have a goal in your life?
As somebody says, if you aim at nothing, you hit at nothing. Maybe your goal is just to read four chapters a day from the Bible, from our devotion, and to complete reading the Bible in one year. That's a goal. Maybe to spend 15 minutes, half an hour a day, seeking the Lord. Or maybe with this prayer and fasting, okay, I've never fasted before. I just fast one meal. That's good. Or maybe you are so hooked up on your computer games or handphone games, you fast from it for just seven days. You stop playing those games. That's a goal. Straining. The word is straining forward. Paul had a goal. He's very goal-oriented. And many times, we don't see God working in our lives because we never expect Him to do anything. We have even stopped asking Him. He says, ask. That the Father may be glorified. We don't know what to ask already. Our life is just a routine. A.W. Tozer was asked a question, what is the greatest threat to the church? The people who asked him expected him to talk about liberalism, postmodernism, or whatever it is. But instead he said the greatest threat to the church is the dictatorship of the routine. Dictatorship of the routine, where everything becomes just a routine. You don't have a goal, you don't have any, any objective anymore. Everything is just routine, it's just running. And in your life also, you, do, you get up, there's nothing forward to look forward to. There's no goal for that day. Oh, if I can just make it to the end of the day, praise God already, Lord. But if you have a goal, God give me a soul. Give me somebody, lead me to somebody where I can share my one-minute witness. That's a goal already. Right? We can have many goals. Now, of course, Paul is very, very focused. I believe that every believer has a goal. And we should be more focused also. All right? Our goal here in, in, for this year, for this church here, is to reach 3,600 people. Right now, we are just bordering around 3,002, 3,003 sometimes 3,004, and I think during Mother's Day, surprisingly, Mother's Day, we hit about 3,005, 3, 3, 4, 3, 5. Wow, Mother's Day, huh? we got top attendance, you know. <laughs> every day should be, every Sunday should be a Mother's Day then. <laughs> we have a goal. We want to pursue, to win souls for the Lord. In the Rio Olympics in 2016, there was a young man, 21-year-old man by the name of Ryan Murphy. 
He won the 100-meter backstroke swimming. And he won it in record times. Now, of course, hey, what's so big? What's the big deal about Ryan Murphy who won in record time the 100-meter backstroke swimming? Everybody, there's bound to be a winner and many records are broken. But the interesting thing about Ryan Murphy, this 21-year-old man who won in that Olympic swimming event, was that later the mother was looking through some of the old files and uh, papers and all that, and then she picked up a piece of paper and uh, a booklet, actually, and uh, the, the, the front there just says, My Swimming Life. And it was a picture and uh, some words that were written by Ryan Murphy when he was eight years old. And what did Ryan Murphy, when he was eight years old, write in that booklet? And he just said, the title he just said, My Swimming Life. And he just wrote, I hope my swimming life continues and that I will be an Olympian. And I hope to break the record in the Olympics because I want to be the best swimmer in the world. Whoa. From an eight-year-old kid. And he fulfilled it when he was 21 years old in the Rio Olympics. An eight-year-old kid can have that kind of a goal to be the best swimmer in the world, to compete in the Olympics and to break that record. He did it. Paul says, I press toward the goal. Would you believe God for a goal in your life? God gives us dreams. God gives us goal. In the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can accomplish it. There'll be a lot of straining forward, a lot of hard work. Everybody knows that. An athlete knows that. But it'll be worth it all. We must have faith to move forward. Martin Luther King says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. However you do it, you have to keep moving forward. That's what the resurrection will help us to do too. Today is a new day, so get up. Move forward for the Lord. Into the victory that God has already prepared for you. It doesn't matter how slow you move forward, as long as you do not stop. In golf, we always say that. You know, you may have a very bad shot. And many people are discouraged because of that. But we say, hey, as long as the ball is moving forward. You know, it may have gone just 10 meters instead of 100 meters. Hey, as long as it's moving forward, you're okay. 
in business meeting, they have, count, they have coined a new term. Because in, in a lot of business meetings, a lot of people talk about the past, you know, discussion about, about the past, debriefing and this and that. And, and when you talk about the past, you know, somebody gets the bashing. You know, so in order to avoid that kind of negativity in business meetings, they coined the word moving forward. Hey, when you discuss about the past, it's in, in order to move forward, right? So in business meeting, you know, come on, after talking to them, moving forward. Yeah, we want to move forward, all right? And that's what God calls, that's what God asks each and every one of us, that we may move forward even in Him. So turn to your neighbor and say, keep moving forward. Look at Genesis chapter, I'll just close with Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 to verse 13. I don't have time to, to elaborate on this, but this is a, a very powerful person, all right? Isaac, you know, and uh, Isaac, the key to his success in life, the key to all the victories in his life. You know, Isaac sold in that land in, in uh, Genesis 26, verse 12 to verse 13, and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man was great and went forward and grew until he became very great. The word there, he went forward. He moved forward, you know, and uh, uh, it was during the time of famine. You do not sow during the time of famine. But he heard from the Lord. He said, you stay in this land and you do what I tell you and I will make you great. And not only great, not only did he become great, but he remained great and he became very great. Why? Because he went forward. He's not going to look back. He's not going to look around his situation, but he looked forward. But the problem with many of us is, it's just like that golfer that I, I, I sometimes see in a golf course. Whenever he, he, he walks, uh, he walks always looking down one. He walks looking down, you know. And many of us are still, still walking alive, looking down and looking at the dust. But God says what? I look forward. I look up. When you begin to look up, you see, you see the victories that God has for you. You can become great in the sight of the Lord as you move forward together with the Lord. He will bless you. He will bless your business. You can become great. You shall become great in the sight of the Lord. But one thing you must not do, you must not stop. In many areas that we have chosen to stop, actually there, you do not see the sign there. No parking. You are not supposed to park where you are parking right now. Do not stop. Move forward. Turn to your neighbor, nudge your neighbor and say, keep moving forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God will grant us even the momentum of his resurrection victory because he has won it all and he shares his victory with each one of us. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Father, I just want to thank you, dear Lord, for the victory that you have won for us. Oh God, and has given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. This victory, dear Lord, we have. Our prayer today, dear Lord, as the old song says, I'm pressing on to higher ground. Higher ground, dear Lord. I want to move on to higher places with you, dear Lord. So, Father, bless your people even this day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Shall we all stand together in the presence of the Lord?